Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales and one of the presenters for Dragon Bites. This week we've got another one of our grid application episodes for you, focusing this time on the metabolic grid application. We're joined by two special guests, Dr Richard Kernock, who's one of the paediatric metabolic disease grid registrars working in Manchester, and also by Dr Naba Ghosh, who's one of the consultants in metabolic diseases working in Manchester also. Even though it's 2020 and there's not currently an application open for Metabolic Grid, they were kind enough to record this podcast for us ready for you in the future when that post opens up. So if you want hints and tips on how to apply for the Grid's Metabolic post, or if you're just interested in finding out more about metabolic diseases, then have a little listen to this podcast. Anyway, let's get started. So, hi there, my name's Asim, I'm one of the um, hosts for Dragon Bites, and we're doing an episode today about applying to the Metabolic uh, Grid Specialty Programme, and I've been lucky enough to join by two special guests. So, um, can we start with yourself, Richard? Uh, do you mind just giving us a quick introduction? Yeah, hi. Uh, yeah, so I'm Richard Kernock, I'm an SD6 Grid Trainee in Manchester. Amazing, thank you, Richard. And we've also got Naba here. Thanks, Asim. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm uh, uh, Narba Ghosh and I'm a consultant in paediatric inherited metabolic disease also in Manchester. Can I just thank you both for being here? We really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to encourage a bunch of trainees to consider metabolic grid as a future career. And for those who are already thinking about it, we'll be able to give them a few hints and tips about how to improve their chances of getting an interview and what to do in the interview. Does that sound okay? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, fantastic. Fab. I thought before we got started, it'd be nice to get to know you um, both a little bit. Um, so is it okay if we, if we start with yourself, Richard? Um, do you mind just t- telling us a little bit about your medical career to date, um, how you choose, chose paediatrics, um, how you came to, to choose metabolic disease uh, and so on? Yeah, hi. Uh, so yeah, I um, did my undergraduate at Manchester University. Uh, and then after that, I did my foundation in Leicestershire, Northamptonshire and worked in my hometown of Kettering. Uh, and then I did a, an FY3 year and moved down to London to do a diploma in child health at UCL and did that full time for a year. And then I started my paediatric training in South London and spent five years there. And then I was still technically a part-time student at UCL, so I converted my diploma to a master's in my SD4 year and then applied to grid in SD5 and got a, a post in Manchester and uh, then moved up for SD6. And that's uh, where I am now at the end of SD6 in Manchester. Wow, incredible. I, the only thing I know about Kettering is that's where comedian James Acaster is from. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was it that drew you to paediatrics in the first place? Um, yeah, no. So I did a, um, uh, so my last rotation of foundation, it was paediatrics. And I just found it so supportive. It was really great team working. All the consultants were th- enthusiastic and really encouraged me. And I in just in- enjoyed the job so much. And I knew then that paediatrics was for me. So that's uh, why 
I decided to do paediatrics, but it was a little bit too late uh, at the end of my foundation to apply immediately. So that's why I looked into doing a, um, a postgraduate diploma or certificate in, and that's and in child health. And that's what I ended up doing in my FY3 year. Oh, that's it. I was going to ask you, how, how come you chose the diploma route of coming into things? Uh, do you think, because what I often find is that actually getting that foundation paediatric experience is the clincher for a lot of people. So was that the case for you then? And um, is that why having that as your last job might have been what delayed you applying? Yeah, I I think so. I, I did really enjoy paediatrics in my medical student time as well. Um, and I made sure that I chose a job that contained paediatrics as part of my foundation. But it, unfortunately, it was, it was the last one which I didn't have, have very little choice over. So at that point, before doing paediatrics, I was considering a career in core medical training. Um, I was looking at potentially going to New Zealand for a year. Um, but by the end of my foundation, I, I realized that pediatrics was the way, you know, what I wanted to do. So um, I looked at how I could bolster my CV towards pediatrics. And I felt that after being in Leicestershire and Northamptonshire, I wanted to sort of move uh, into a bigger city and London just had that appeal. So I, um, so I moved to London and, uh, and looked at universities there to do a, a diploma in child health. Wow. Um, so, you know, for, after picking peas, which is, of course, clearly the best decision of your life, um, what what was it that drew you to metabolic grid? Yeah, um, so I didn't really have a lot of experience in metabolic diseases um, when I applied for grid. I had done uh, a job as an SHO um, at the Evelina Children's Hospital working within the metabolic team there. And they were just really fantastic Um they encouraged the SHAs each week to pre- pre- present a different condition. And although I found that quite a nerve wracking task, um, I learned so much about the, the biochemical pathways of the human body and found it fascinating going back to basics and applying that knowledge to metabolic disease and management. Um, I also like the balance between managing sort of chronic multi-system disease, but also the acute emergency management, which metabolic offers. Um, and yeah, I found that a lot of the metabolic consultants are all sort of excellent general paediatricians and able to take that sort of holistic approach towards patient management, not just focusing on the nuances of that particular condition. And there are plenty of research opportunities um, and, you know, you can get involved writing case reports and case series. And there's a huge multidisciplinary team um, environment as well. So you've got, uh, you're working very closely with dietitians, but laboratory scientists, geneticists, specialist nurses, um, and I really felt the team really gelled together and went above and beyond to provide excellent care. And I found that really rewarding. And that's what I wanted to be part of. So after doing that job, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Dear Lord, if that doesn't sell people on metabolic disease, I don't know what will. That was incredible. You, um, I mean, it's interesting that you said uh, that you mentioned the acute management for most junior doctors. You, you know, their nightmare scenario is a complicated metabolic um, disease case coming in through the front doors that needs acute intervention it's really terrifying but you actually um, you find that uh, something that you enjoy in your work mm. I suppose I suppose it's having that balance isn't it is finding a, a career where if you if you do enjoy a little bit of acute management that you, you've got an, uh, that opportunity to, you've got that opportunity there within your specialty you're not just going to be in clinic 100% of the time yeah yeah amazing um so what you, you did you say you were an ST7 is that right Richard 
Um, yeah, well, I'm, so I'm at the end of SD6, so I'm starting SD7 in from September. Amazing. Um, so d- does that mean you're now one year into your metabolic grid training? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, so um, how long have you got left? How long is metabolic grid training? Mm. Um, so uh, I think for most trainees, it's three years. Um, possibly if you've got lots of previous experience, then it could be done in two. Although I think most trainees that I'm aware of do it in three years. So yeah, I've got another two years left. Amazing. And one last question just about to get you to know you a little bit better. What do you find to be the most rewarding part of your job? Yeah, um, well, I feel like the the team I'm really working in uh, is is excellent. Uh, Every day when I leave work, I feel that we've provided the best possible care. Um, certainly all the consultants and other professionals that all the dietitians and the specialist nurses are just absolutely passionate about what they do um, I really like getting to know families um, uh, right from the beginning a lot of our patients are di- uh, sort of diagnosed from birth and newborn screening um, and we see those um, children grow up um, or transition into adulthood and I suppose another aspect is that a lot of our patients, well, some of our patients also have life limiting conditions. So there's sort of palliative care skills, which adds an additional layer to the job and supporting families through that journey as well is re- really rewarding. Um, well, I suppose the, the, the next thing to do to, to kind of establish is to get an idea as to what the metabolic grid program involves, because a lot of trainees won't necessarily have been exposed to this um, in Cardiff, we're fortunate enough to currently have um, Dr. Graham Shortland to discuss these sorts of things with, but we won't have him for very much longer because he's heading towards having a nice, easy retirement now. Um, But that won't be the case for everywhere. So is it okay to discuss with you both um, what what the training involves um, in the future? Is it okay to start with yourself, Richard? Yeah, sure. Um, I I mean, I can tell you what my day-to-day job would involve. so um, we have metabolic inpatients that we manage on the ward, um, but also we see patients that present acutely to A&E with metabolic conditions. Um, I also get the opportunity to sit into uh, clinics um, and also get to run my own clinic as well, which I try to do once a week. Um, so we also have the uh, newborn screening lab within Manchester. So if we get any screen positive patients from there, um, then we will try to see them as soon as possible. Uh, and I will either see them independently with support from dietitians or I'll see them supervised by a consultant. Um, we also get involved with uh, giving advice to other hospitals because many of our patients uh, uh, present to the local DGHs. Um, so we'll be giving advice to those hospitals. Um, we also have multidisciplinary team meetings. So we have uh, two of them a week, one for general metabolic and also one for lysosomal storage disease patients. And then we also have morbidity and mortality meetings as well. Um, and then there is also departmental teaching that we have once a week within the department. And then we also help out on regional teaching days as well. That all sounds really packed. How do you, how is that split up into an average week? Because that seems like a lot to do. Yeah, um, so uh, I think a huge chunk of it is managing the, the patients on, on the ward. Um, there are, it's not just myself, so I'm supported by an SHO, uh, and another registrar that assists me with assisting me with that. And, um, we also have the consultant of the week who would, um, be responsible for doing ward rounds. Amazing. Um, so th- if that's your day to day sort of week to week work, 
over the actual grid block, um, what posts is it that you have to complete? Mm. So I think one of the difficulties with metabolic disease is there are very few centres which can train grid trainees. So Nabaka correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's just London, Birmingham and Manchester that have the ability to train grid trainees. So with London, you have two centres. You've got Great Ormond Street Hospital and Evelina Children's Hospital, where there are two different metabolic teams that you would rotate between. Uh, but in Birmingham and Manchester, there's just the, the one centre in each location. So because I'm a Northwest trainee, I, I stay at Manchester uh, for my duration of the training. And do you just have, um, you, you know, is, is your does your training just involve metabolic posts? Do you have to do posts in any other particular speciality? It just involves metabolic, although I do along. So I'm also on call, do on calls as well. And that will involve covering other specialties um, in evenings and weekends and on night shifts. Amazing. Um, and, and are there any special requirements that you need to have completed by the end of your training as a, in GRID? Yeah, so I think um, recently the um, Royal College has released a sort of uh, subspecialty learning outcomes. So there are a number of them focusing on um, managing acute emergencies um, and uh, understanding of um, different conditions. Um, there's also a focus on uh, diagnosis and uh, the newborn screening and then working with other local hospitals as well and, and research. When you look at the number of conditions, they're split into different groups. Um, so I try to um, tick off patients as I go through and sort of build a logbook of patients that I'm encountering on the wards and in clinic. Brilliant. Thank you, Richard. Um, Nabba, we've spoken quite, about quite a few things there about the um, um, about the, the, the actual day to day working in, in a metabolic grid post. And um, was there anything that you wanted to add to that? Um, so I think, so Richard, you were talking about, um, uh, yeah, training centers. So yes, you're right. There's the, so the, uh, training centers where there are grid posts offered are, um, Manchester, Birmingham, and then in London, the Evelina Children's Hospital, uh, and Great Ormond Street. And, um, because, you know, partly because of the geography, it's quite, um, it's not necessarily easy to, uh, you stay in the same same centre for the duration of your training. Now, it's not impossible that you could, if you were able to swap with another current grid trainee, work out a system where you spent some time in another centre. Um, and that may well be valuable for various reasons. So the different centres perhaps have a slightly different cohort of paediatric uh, metabolic patients. Um, I, when, during my training, I thought about doing that but for one reason and uh, for various reasons wasn't able to um but i did um spend a bit of time uh going to clinics at one of the other centers um just to get an idea of you know the kind of different cohort of patients they have over there um uh, so you know i went to some neurometabolic clinics um and that may where we valuable for other trainees so in manchester we have a big cohort of patients with uh, lysosomal storage disorders and it may be valuable for other trainees to come here um, so you know there's a certain amount of um, flexibility that you uh, um, that might be an advantage but generally speaking yeah trainees stay in the same um, region for their duration of their training 
Um, and yeah, like you said, in terms of specific requirements, so the, um, I think Richard was referring to the recent progress curriculum outcomes. And of course, you have to get your generic level three competencies as well. Um, it's it's difficult with rare disease because, you know, and you'll be here, <laughs> Richard will be aware, you've got a logbook of many different conditions to, to see. And you may find that, you know, there are the odd condition that you might not have seen by the end of the grid training or some of them you might have only seen once or twice and that's kind of the nature of rare disease really so that's that's a different challenge in itself um but uh overall you know i think it's still it's very i think it's a rewarding uh program that, i mean that that's really interesting it hadn't even occurred to me that different um parts of the country would have different cohorts of patients for for rare diseases um and i suppose if you uh, i mean what's your take then on on um if you if you i mean if you're doing a grid post specifically looking at rare diseases and it's part of your outcomes is there a degree of sort of um uh, understanding if there are certain rare diseases that you have in your logbook that you haven't come across by the end of your grid training yeah i think so um they, and that was part of the reason why I went to a few clinics at one of the other centres because I wanted to uh, try and see a few um, different groups of disorders. I think um, so. You know, I think, and part of it is really also to do with what the centres specialise in. So historically, here we've always um, been strong in particularly research for lysosomal diseases. So I perhaps had quite maybe um my logbook was perhaps weighted a little bit too much towards lysosomal um and so you know going to uh, some clinics elsewhere helped kind of just even things out a little bit amazing thank you uh, and i suppose the next question i had for you Nava, um i mean metabolic diseases is about as specialized an area as specialized areas get how um, how could a trainee go about gaining experience in the area if they're thinking of considering it as a future career to explore? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I guess the, the common saying or the cliche saying is that they are um, individually rare but collectively common. And so um, you're absolutely right. Most trainees won't get a chance to have worked in a metabolic centre or done a metabolic rotation um, but I think over the course of your core training, you probably will come across some patients with um, metabolic disease or suspected metabolic disease. Um, and metabolic uh, children with metabolic disease present to, they don't present to us. We're not the ones that make the diagnosis often, you know, or it, they present to general paediatricians and it's about general paediatricians being aware of metabolic disease. So I think you will come across the uh, clinical side of things um, but I think if you think you might be if you find that interesting and if you are metabolic disease interesting then um, talk to the person in your regional metabolic centre you know we're a very friendly bunch and we do tend to get very excited when we hear that trainees are interested in metabolic medicine so come and talk to us um, and you know we you know arrange to come and you know attend clinics with us meet our mdt meet dietitians meet the lab um come to study days that we organize so here in the northwest we organize a regional study day every couple of years that's aimed at general pediatricians that's um you know an opportunity for you to 
you know, want to learn a bit more about metabolic disease, but also meet all the people involved. Um, come to conferences. So there's the British Inherited Metabolic Disease Group. They run an annual meeting. So ours has been postponed this year because of COVID. But, um, but you know, I would suggest, you know, attending that um, because you will get to know people. One of the advantages perhaps of being such a niche specialty and such a small specialty is that actually there's only so many of us and it's you know you, you can get to know most of us fairly quickly um and you know make some contacts and arrange to find out a little bit more about metabolic medicine and get involved in projects and that sort of thing that's brilliant thank you Nava. um richard did you have anything to add to that no, I think you've covered a lot of a lot of the points there. Um, I just echo saying that if you don't, if you're in a deanery where you don't have metabolic diseases as a possible rotation, then there are plenty of overlap with other specialties: um, neurology, genetics, uh, hepatology, cardiology, and respiratory. You're you're bound to encounter metabolic patients in those specialties, and you know, general paediatrics and community paediatrics, you're going to see metabolic patients as well. So um, just because you haven't got, haven't done metabolic diseases as a, uh, as an SHO doesn't mean that you can't apply for GRID. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Richard. Um, so now I think it's time to get to the crux of the matter. Um, let's say we've got a trainee out there you, that you've both convinced them that metabolic disease is the way to go. They, they enjoyed the the cases they've seen and they're really interested in this so um let's um is it okay if we start with yourself first richard um what general advice would you offer um trainees who are planning to apply to metabolic grid yeah good question um i would really encourage them to look really closely at the um shortlisting criteria for interview um it goes through different sections uh, which are quite relevant to your CV, um, such as like teaching and management and audit. Um, and um, you don't have to have uh, huge research projects or um, lots of papers to your name. Uh, it's all about trying to score as many points as you can. So I'd sit down, look at your CV and see what you can improve with the time that you've got available to you before the, um, before the application. Amazing. Uh, um, and is there anything specific that tends to help more with um, metabolic grid applications? Anything in particular that they can do to try and score a bit higher on their CV that would also be better recognised by the metabolic grid um, panels? Well, I mean, w what I would say is that, um, yeah, in terms of shortlisting. So, you know, we're, we're looking for people who are genuinely really interested in metabolic disease, but we're also looking for people with with good generic skills so um actually all of those things will count you know if you've got teaching experience and you've organized teaching um you know leadership experience those things will count they'll get you points um and if you um have done some projects and you may you know it may not be that you've you know um written a paper on uh you know or had postgraduate degree qualifications and in fact the majority of the trainees i think that have come through recently have not had postgraduate qualifications before they got into grid um so that's not you know that isn't essential but what it might be good is if you've got projects you may find because there's so many opportunities um that you 
could get uh, abstract submitted and get a poster or maybe a presentation. And it's worth, if you've got um, the interest and you've managed to think about it early enough, then because these things take a little bit of time, you might be able to get, get something like that and that would certainly get you an extra point or two. Amazing. Um, Richard, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I would just say that if if you know any um, metabolic consultants in your area, I would really contact them and say that you're interested in applying for metabolic disease and see if there's any projects or audits you could do um, to help bolster your CV. Amazing. So, um, I mean, I suppose this is either to yourself, Nava, or Richard. Um, should we start with Nava? Um, do you think that is it more useful to have projects that perhaps have, uh, you know, projects or teaching or leadership that have a metabolic slant to them um compared to just uh, any any other specific teaching they might have done i guess what i would say is that yes it's all it is good to have a metabolic slant to them if you can um but we don't expect trainees to have huge amounts of metabolic experience if you're able if you as richard suggested i think is a very good idea if you've been in touch with your metabolic center and done something with that center as a project that that would be you know that's great um but we're equally, you know, it's important to have projects that are just of good quality. So, you know, it could be, you know, something that you've done in your centre that was that's good quality and it shows that you have the generic skills um, to do that um, will 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 look good. So, you know, I guess it's important to have, you know, a few things that are thoroughly done and completed of good quality, you know, audit cycle completed, that sort of thing, rather than have lots of dotted projects that are kind of not all very complete. And, you know, it's, it's about quality, I think. Um, but yeah, if you can get a metabolic slant, then that's great. But um, we're looking for all round um, good candidates, I think. So proving that you can carry out a high quality QI project is probably a more useful skill to have. But if that can be done with something metabolic related, that's just bonus points. Exactly. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so I suppose one thing when it comes to grid applications is that, you know, often you have to think about a lot of these things early on. You can't do a fit in a QI project a couple of months before you're due to send in your grid project. Um, so I was, I was just wondering if either of you knew, if we could start with yourself first, Richard, um, of, of, you know, the, the sort of low hanging fruit, so to speak, the easy things that you can do quickly just to get those few extra points on your grid application form. Um, lots of resources we can get online now. So um, you could do the uh, good clinical practice course online. You could also think about if, if there's any metabolic patients that you've encountered um, that you could write up as a case report and going to any of the, your local metabolic study days just to get a, a feel for what metabolic disease is about. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Uh, uh, and Naba, do you have any um, other ideas or suggestions? Yeah, I suppose low hanging fruits quite, you know, it's quite difficult. But um, if there are things that I mean, it's always worth thinking about what you can do in your centre to improve things. Um, so you know, we, we've suggested talking to your regional metabolic centre and what projects they have, but it is always worth thinking about what can I do in my unit um, to raise awareness of metabolic disease. You know, I've had trainees who haven't necessarily applied to Metabolic Grid, but have come here um, and really enjoyed their rotation here and then gone back and been, you know, organised metabolic-related teaching and that kind of thing, um, or have gone back and reviewed their 
practice in their unit? You know, what are the guidelines for, let's say, investigating suspected metabolic disease on the neonatal unit or something like that? Um, and that's worth thinking about. A lot of our guidelines are published or are on, online, but, you know, units often want to have some kind of a, a resource for them to use locally. And it's worth having a look at that, seeing does it make sense, does it need updating um, and that kind of thing. Um, I guess one of the things I did as an example when I was a ST4 or 5 or something was, um, uh, so I made a hypoglycemia guideline and a little hypo pack that you could use in A&E to try and sort of make it more streamlined and efficient to screen for hypoglycemia, that sort of thing. So there might be things that you can do in your own centre as well. That's actually, so um, thanks both. That Those have been some excellent suggestions. So I suppose what we need to... And I just wanted to say thank you to Richard and Nabba for recording that for us. Have a listen in again in a few weeks time where we'll be releasing the second half of that podcast where we go through interviewing for the Metabolic Disease Grid programme. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites. Music.